3: see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you and welcome Susan. Thank you Justine and welcome Sarah Ellen.
5: Hi Susan, how are you this evening?
6: Green. Everything is so green 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 oh yes how wonderful and Mm -hmm. the um, trees are still flowering and the apprentice said, "Oh, this is so interesting." When I arrived, all the tree flowers were really inconspicuous, and now they're showy.
3: Mm.
6: And that wasn't exactly true, because there were fruit trees blooming, which are pretty showy, but the catalpas, you know, and the the chestnuts are really showy.
5: Wow.
6: Right, you know, big trees just covered in flowers, like when the lindens are, you know, start to bloom, like the whole trees just covered, covered in flowers. And it's being that kind of floriferous a year, too. I noticed here and there, throughout the goat pasture, big patches of speedwell. Oh, yeah. Veronica officinalis, and I often say that Veronica is a very rude girl if you take your hands and stick them up near your ears so your fingers are pointing out and then stick your tongue out you'll look like a Veronica flower (laughs) she has a big petal at the top and then two sticking out at the sides and then a little one like a tongue sticking out at the bottom now let me not mislead you, the entire flower itself is small. So when I say she has a big petal at the top, we're talking like big compared to, say, a chickweed flower. So not very. And by bioficialis, we know that it was officially used. I could go and look up what it's used for, and I'm sure at some point I will. What I'm responding to right now is, here's this plant that I've seen growing here and there before. Mostly what I've had is the smaller uh, Speedwell. And this big official medicinal one I have seen only here and there. And I suddenly have three big patches of it. says to me, get yourself up and make medicine, Susan.
0: Mm -hmm.
6: Respond to this whatever it is that it's going to be used for, you will be shown right now allowing yourself to be responsive to what's happening. And uh, this came upon thinking that I'd already been having about two different approaches that two different students had asking me about things one, which I really enjoyed, was a student who was very responsive, who said, oh, I see this, and I see a lot of it. What do you think would be good remedies for me to make from this plant?
4: Hmm.
6: And that felt like a very productive line of questioning. And the other one had a kind of laundry list. I want to make this, I don't want to make this, I don't want to make this, I want to make this. And while there is nothing wrong with that, um, it, certainly when we go grocery shopping, we make a list like that. But it didn't come from observing what was there and then making that list. It's kind of like making that grocery store list and including the zucchini and raspberries in February. You can do it, you can even buy them if they're not in season.
0: Right. Right.
6: And to me, this is a really important aspect of the wise woman tradition is that we aren't looking at the plants as a commodity that we will harvest from to meet our needs, but as a relationship that we will become part of so that everyone's needs are fulfilled.
5: Yes. Blessed be.
6: Blessed be. I really hear that as you're talking about the new place that you're settling into and your relationships with everything that's there. Thank you for exemplifying that for
5: us. Oh, thank you. It is such, oh, I'm so grateful to be here, and it's just an absolute honor to be able to interact with such a marvelous piece of earth in this way. So it's just a pleasure to share it with you and anyone listening, everyone listening. So thank you all for sharing in it.
6: And our guest at 9 o'clock tonight, Kat Pentaleo, um, goes along with everything that we are talking about. She says her core belief is that health is a journey. The goal is not Perfection. But meaning and purpose through self-exploration, growth, connection, and joy. Stay with us till nine to hear from Cat Penn to Leah, or come back at nine to hear from her. I trimmed back the rose bush, which grows over my doorway, and every year she and I battle it out. I cut her, she cuts me. It's a pretty even fight. (laughs)
7: Uh,
6: But I always notice that the cuts from the rose always um, seem to be slower to heal and sting and hurt more. I'm not sure what it is that the rose does, but it's very irritating. What have you been doing this week?
0: Wow.
5: We, uh, today, got some late planting done in a little food garden that we started, um, and we began planting our hawthorn trees. We decided, um, in being with the land, that there were ash trees that used to line our driveway, and the stumps are still there. And um, after being in the space for a while, we the land came through to be hawthorns. So we have twenty-two hawthorn trees that we've been planting today. My husband is out there now, although it just started raining, which is great for planting. Oh, how perfect! Yes, I remember you saying that when you planted your hawthorn, and it was excellent planting weather. So we've been blessed with that as well, and. For the next couple of days, they'll be going in along the driveway. They're just little babies right now, but we have, we're have we very excited that they're here.
6: <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I was just thinking about that golden hawthorn that Eagle Song sent me and thinking, you know, it's been a dry spell. I want to go out there and water it. Hmm. They're so much more vulnerable, the little trees and the transplants and that because they don't have a good... Extensive root system, but also because they don't have a relationship with the m- mushrooms, with the you know the mycorrhizal relationship they get.
5: Right, I I read a little bit about that. It, it's amazing uh, what a local tree that's, you know seeded sprouts there on its own, how quickly it will grow and take root relative to something that's purchased and transplanted. It may be stunted for a year or a little longer before it even really starts to start spreading into its new space. Because it
6: needs to be able to talk to the network.
0: Yeah. Wow.
6: In Many years ago in Costa Rica, I was taken to the farm where they figured out how to grow vanilla organically. And it wasn't easy at all. Vanilla, of course, is an orchid. And they, the final solution that allowed them to do it, and they went through all the years and the different things that they tried, and you know, the partial successes, but they got a soil microbe mixture from Japan that had the right mycorrhizal members to connect to the vanilla to let it thrive without fertilizers, without pesticides, without all those chemicals that get used.
4: Wow.
6: And it was really wow. key because you can't really say organic about your Product unless it's all organic, and so there were a lot of places that couldn't say organic just because of the vanilla.
0: Oh. Right. Yeah.
6: Do we have any callers with questions tonight?
5: We have a lot of callers on the line. We have one caller that has pressed 1 to let us know that they have a question. So I will remind everyone, please, if you would like to speak with Susan tonight, press 1 and let us know that you would like to be in the queue to speak with Susan this evening.
6: Shall we go ahead, then?
5: Sure. We will take the first caller, and that is calling from the 603 area code. From the 603, you are live with
8: Susan.
9: Hi Susan. Hi Sarah Ellen. This is Rose. I'd like to share with uh, share with you uh, what I discovered in my little corner of the world today, um, which was um, experiential fun, and it's fun for me. Uh, I'm feeling very tired and 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 uh, kind of depressed, and it kind of perked me up a little bit. So um, the first one is um, the Rosa, my, the Rosa rugosa uh, bloom today. The first two flowers open today. Oh,
6: they're so beautiful! I love their rosy. Me
9: too. Me too. And the the second thing I wanted to ask you if you could tell me uh, about black locust flowers and if you've ever had a relationship with them. I, um, I found a, some white ones, some, uh, a stand of white ones and a different stand of like lavender color ones. And I look, I, all I had to look them up to see what I could find with them. I, I would like to develop a relationship with them. Like you say, um, all I could find was, uh, what I have, um, um, available to me was the internet, and I I was a little bit disappointed with the um, with the um, black locust. What I think is black locust flowers because I can't find anything else that looks like it. But because the write ups that I found, um, like really talked about it having. Uh, being quite delicious, and I'm going to read to you what I found. Well, first of all, when I discovered this tree, there was a slight aroma, not overwhelming. There were absolutely no bees, which surprised me, because they were just freshly opened. You could see that, you know, they were fresh, um, but only um, a slight, you know, a pleasant, but very slight aroma. And I have one with me now that I brought home, and, you know, it's still the same. So, um um it, uh, this lady on the internet said that um the yellow spot smells sweet. That the yellow spot on it is the part that smells sweet and uh and it's only three or four days at its best. Um, she said she loves the um crunchy, sweet taste like a gentle honey and uh and that it's best raw on a on on salads and she did say the scent is no i found another source that's because she raved about the scent and i'm saying hmm i don't have that great strong of a scent and then um i found another place where it said the scent is only detectable when the flower is just opening well i had some that were just opening and i still um you know had just a slight and it said that it's similar to the jasmine a combination of jasmine And fresh tea. And one other thing uh, I found, which I don't know, it's not the same here. Um, It said that it's in blossom at the same time as the elderberry flowers. Well, my elderberries are just teensy, teensy, teensy and very lime green. So um, that's not true for what I found but my hawthorn Blossoms tree have been beautiful, and they're already starting to shatter. So can you um, share uh, with me what you know of had, if you've had a relationship with the black locust? And can it vary from tree to tree as far as the aroma?
6: The aroma certainly can be quite various. And do you know what family your flower is in? Can you tell by looking at it what family it's in?
9: Well, isn't it the acacia, the uh, 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 sweet pea, uh, pea family?
6: The pea it, family, very, right.
9: It, it reminds lagoons. me very much of the pea blossom.
6: Right? and I would, Yes. It's interesting that it, it smells like a pea blossom.
9: Mm-hmm. Oh. I, right. I don't and there are sweet the smell peas looking. that have a
6: strong smell, but there's just also regular peas which have a lighter smell. Okay. So the pea family, the pea and bean family, is a pretty interesting family. It contributes a huge amount of nutrition and calories to people worldwide. Beans and grains are mainstay cultivated crops throughout the world, and they're it's the food of the people, the first evening of the um green goddess apprentice week i serve beans and rice and i serve that to be in solidarity with all of the people in the world and talk about how many people are eating that so very important to us and yet there are members of the family like loco weed that can be disruptive to us and there are medicinal ones a stragglerless root Is in the legume family red clover blossoms of course are in the legume family so different parts of them sometimes have different effects mesquite flowers are eaten in desert regions and that's in the the legume family usually just as usual usually Even if a plant is poisonous, the flowers won't be poisonous, especially not if you eat a few of them raw in salad. So, lily of the valley is a poisonous plant. It contains heart glycosides. It could actually kill you to eat cooked lily of the valley. But if you put one or two lily of the valley flowers in your salad, you will survive it, Partly because you're not going to get much of anything from those raw flowers.
9: So why bother putting them on your salad, right?
6: <laughs> well, as she said, it's crunchy and sweet.
9: Mm-hmm.
6: You know, I have a, a list in my kitchen of uh, the nutrient score of various greens and, of course, nettle and kale and collards are way up there at the top of the list. And you know what's at the very, very, very bottom of the list? Alfalfa sprouts. The in for the same reason, because they're crunchy, People Love crunch, mhm, so there's certainly no problem. I love a beautiful salad with lots of different flowers in it. me too, yeah, so put some in because you say you want to develop a relationship with this tree, and so do that, spend time with the tree, eat a few flowers. Talk to the tree. Find out what's going on. The catalpa, which I was also talking about, is also in the legume family. Big showy blossoms on these trees, right?
9: I've I've never. I don't think I've ever seen catalpa blossoms.
6: But the the flowers that you're talking about come in kind of hanging racemes, yes?
9: Oh, they're beautiful. It's it's you can see it, you know, from a distance. It's beautiful. Yes,
6: yes that's what I'm talking about. They're big. Yeah. The individual flowers aren't big and showy. They're not like magnolia,
9: but the flower clusters are big and showy. Yes, beautiful.
6: Yeah. Mm Mhm.
9: Can you eat um, hawthorn blossoms?
6: Can, but you might not want to. I guess it would also depend on the species of the hawthorn. I think I talked last week or maybe the week before about going outside and saying, oh, what is blooming that smells so sweet? And I saw the mountain ash, which is in the rose family, which Hawthorne is in the rose family. And I thought, oh, it must be that because it was covered in wasms. And I didn't pay attention to the fact that there were flies coming to it. So I stuck my nose in the clusters of small flowers. And they smelled very attractive to flies, but that's not attractive to human beings. And so I went right around the corner. It was the chassandra, which has the wonderful smell. And of course, hawthorn is also a, a f- pollinated by flies. Oh. So the flowers tend to have a f- smell attractive to flies.
9: Mhm. And did you, and you say know it attracts flies, flowers? right?
6: Rotten mm-hmm. meat.
9: Yeah. So. Probably not too attractive to us.
6: Probably, Probably. not, but again, <laughs> you won't hurt yourself by smelling your hawthorn before you eat it. But do smell it before you eat it.
9: I don't think I'll eat it. Well, I should try it, I guess. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Uh, so you yourself have have eaten the the black locust blossoms? Yeah. Do you, you have those you know, around few, yes, you? Yes, a guess. few
6: of them in salad.
9: Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
6: Okay. Or as a snack well, when you're walking.
9: Right, right. Pre- appreciate that they really are pretty when you hold it up close and look at it. It's you know I do appreciate it. It's beauty. And
7: I have this yeah.
9: long drive, you know, through the mountains, across the Hudson
6: River, and you know, into where I'm getting my hyperbaric oxygen therapy every day. So I'm so enjoying getting to see the beauty of all of the trees because you know most of the time I wouldn't be out and about on the road on a daily basis but what a beautiful year it has been thanks for your mm-hmm. call thanks for
9: oh I'll, may I ask you one question.
6: oh was there something um, else
9: yes yes there was please Susan I am um, extremely fatigued I wondered if you had a um, a suggestion for me um, I because of my severe scoliosis as you know Um, I'm working out on some machines uh, as well as doing some stretching and um, it's like all I can accomplish in a day I feel great Um, I start feeling really good like you know at maybe three quarters of the way through I'm currently working on 11 different machines I don't only do 3 sets of 12 but I really feel so much better after I do it but then on the 15-minute drive home, I start to feel sleepy, and I can't accomplish anything else. And I just wondered if you had a suggestion for what me. What are you
6: eating before you work out? What are you eating afterwards?
9: Well, I was really um, starving when I got home. And let's see. i got to think. Go look. I'm trying to think because I'm so tired of uh, uh, well, I didn't sleep last night, but I'm still tired even if I didn't sleep well uh-huh. last night. But,
6: um, you know what, see, what i like on, to have on hand? Had... I take um,
9: what? a package
6: what? of organic frozen fruit and throw it in my blender with um, a couple of cups of yogurt and some maple syrup and oh, blend so it up.
0: Oh, yogurt and frozen
9: fruit.
6: Frozen fruit, right? Mm-hmm. Plain mm-hmm. yogurt, little maple syrup, blend yeah. it all
9: up. Mm-hmm. And then
6: it's there when I get home from my workout.
9: Mhm, well and the sugar
6: I... gives me really fast energy, and then the milk protein gives me that long energy
9: okay all right um I, okay, I'm looking to see because I can't even remember I'm so tired um uh,
6: what and I beforehand have... yeah, something slow burning like some kind of grain.
9: Oh, let's see. Well, I did have...
6: Corn um, chips, rice chips, brown rice, tortillas. If you want to have some greens cooked or raw with that, that's fine. But you want some good, high-quality carbohydrate to fuel you while you're doing your workout, and then you want to get some protein and some fruit in to move your energy afterwards
9: well this is what I have I'm looking at what what I what in my little notebook because I'm also having some nausea so I'm trying to figure out what's causing that so I had the dandelion tincture in water first a drop of fall I had two eggs one slice of that Ezekiel sprouted bread um, toasted and I had a half of a large sweet potato and a half a cup of yogurt and a little slippery elm powder that I added to the yogurt. Um, wondered if that that might help my my nausea. What is nice. that? And and um, that was that was what I ate like an hour bef an hour to an hour and, hour and fifteen minutes before the workout. So I thought that was plenty enough time to wait because I thought you should probably not work out right after you eat. So um, so I did that. And when, uh, when I got home, I didn't, uh, I ate that like at 11, at eleven ten 10 to, um, no, yeah, 11 after 11 to about noontime. And I didn't get home until five because I stopped to enjoy these black locust flowers because I was so sleepy. I, I, I got to stop, you know, stop and look at those. Maybe it'll perk me up. And,
0: and yeah, so.
9: Yes, yeah, so when I got home, I was so hungry. I had a half of a a, a baked potato i had um mesclun and romaine lettuce i I had some um uh one and a half beef hot dogs with mustard i had let's see um it just seemed oh um then I think that was. Oh no, that's not it. I had another slice of Ezekiel bread, and it felt. And the salad was huge that I had. I, I it was a mixture of romaine and um, some mesclun, you know, the mixed baby greens. But I was just so hungry. Um, the pota- the bit huge potato. I only had half. But and then I actually had to. I was st- still wanted some more carbs, so I had. I love those Mary's Gone crackers, those seed crackers. I don't know if you've tried those. Um,
7: Sounds festival. wonderful,
9: but um, but that's that's it. So I don't know if I really followed your plan. <laughs> I really didn't because you said beforehand to do the, you know, more of the fruit, which I I really
6: didn't you know, do this. Afterwards.
9: Oh yeah, afterwards. Afterwards. Oh yeah, before uh, you beforehand, said beforehand, right? Yeah, small burning. You said slow burning, so more carbs, slow burning. Yes, more carbs,
6: carbs protein, good. You know, yeah.
9: mm-hmm.
6: but really, you know, to f- fuel that engine for the work that you're going to do. Mm-hmm. So you're mm-hmm. not so hungry when you get home. And then protein and some sweet from fruit to give you energy. And then, you know, depending on, you know, when you get home, <clears throat> usually I find that, and studies have also shown that it's pretty easy to overeat if you eat a lot right after you work out.
9: Oh, so I was hungry.
6: <laughs> and well, it was
9: supper time. It was five, so that's what I I'm saying. Is it something
6: it. like that yogurt, maple syrup, frozen fruit? Right there on hand you have that and, say, a glass of infusion. And then wait an oh, hour yeah, before you have a meal.
9: Infusion. I didn't even finish it. It was comfy today.
6: <laughs> <laughs> wonderful, wonderful.
9: Mm-hmm.
6: So and, well, wow, you're going those, to a gym.
9: Well, I have to because um, you know you, I uh, I only get so much, so many PT visits, so I have to spread them out through the years. So I finally decided to um, to join um, that that gym that's available um, all over the country, and then um, I can use the um, the hydro bed, which feels really, really good. Did you ever experience that? i don't I don't know if I should give an advertisement for the name of the gym. <laughs>
6: I'm not sure what a hydro bed is
9: um it it's um well, it's like a water bed and it's like uh-huh. you know a roller that goes up and down, you lie down on it and it's also heated so it feels mm. really good on the spine you know on my spine and my mm. neck and um and it goes you know rolls up and down and you can increase the intensity or not. And it just feels really, really good. That's what's called the the, the hydro massage bed.
6: Oh, and that sounds I, so good for you. That sounds so perfect.
9: Well, you know, I almost dozed off there because it felt so good. Uh, and um, and before and so after the workout, actually, I skipped something after the workout. Then I went into the um, what is called the oh gosh, I just forgot the name, but it's essentially a red light booth that you go in for the red light and that's supposed to be a healthy thing i read up about it i wondered if you had any experience with that um and then i did the hydro bed and um that's when i almost dozed off
6: <laughs> and it's just red light it's not an infrared sauna
9: no it's not a sauna it's just like a, a booth that you stand in in it and it's not um infrared it just says that it's just the red light
3: each and each um, color of light
6: has healing qualities.
9: Mm hmm.
6: Mm hmm. In abundantly so, well. I mentioned a study in which they actually painted prisoner cells pink and had a measurable decrease in violence.
9: They painted each other pink?
6: They painted the cells of the prisoners.
9: Oh pink. the cells. Oh.
6: The walls oh. of the cells. Instead of being gray or white, were painted pink, and there was less violence.
0: Interesting,
6: right? Blue light has its uses. Green light. Each color of light has medicinal mm-hmm. uses. Mhm, mhm.
9: And I, I was—I've been wanting to ask you for many weeks. Um, you said you go for for that type of therapy, and I forgot what you call it. What, Hyperbaric, what you call it? Hyperbaric
6: oxygen what? therapy. What Hyperbaric that? means that it's under pressure. Right, like the barometer. So barometric means what's the pressure, and hyper means high. So I go into a tube, I'm I'm on a gurney, and the gurney is pushed into a tube. It's through, it's plexiglass, and then, you know, there's like a vacuum seal, like an airlock that shuts in, and then they increase the pressure. So right now, at sea level, we're at one atmosphere of pressure. And then inside mm-hmm. that tube, they double that. So I'm at two atmospheres of pressure.
7: Mm-hmm.
6: And then the tube is flooded with 100% oxygen.
9: Is this to heal the wound that you had? It sure year? is. Oh.
6: And then I freeze that oxygen under that pressure for an hour and a half. And then wow. I am depressurized. And today was my thirty-sixth treatment. Wow! And I am scheduled to have fifty treatments.
9: Wow! That's amazing. Yes. Wow! And I could only get so many PT a year, so that's why I joined this gym. So. I can, you know, stretch them out. Because this, is, this is the exact
6: opposite of PT. I'm, like, laying there for two hours every day. It's like, ah, I really, you know, have to go for walks. Right? That's, yeah. <laughs> because That's it's like, hard. It's, so, it's that, so hard. It is so yeah, hard. Yeah, that
9: would be hard. Well, what, <laughs> and what and say? that and
6: the drive, you know, so between you oh. know, the time it takes to get there that I'm waiting and then doing it and then driving back home, it's like a lot of... Sitting and laying down uh, out of my days, which are usually much more active than that.
9: Of course. But we're
6: getting good skin regrowth. and um,
9: Do you do that once a week? Do you do that uh, once a week? Every single day. Oh, my gosh. That eats up a lot of your day. It does. Wow. And I think my going to PT eats up a lot of my day because I don't have any energy to do anything else. But but um I had to do it this way because for two years in a row, Susan, I ran out of PT you know, I only am, and only did so much with Medicare. The first and,
6: hyperbaric oxygen therapy treatment I had, I was so exhausted when I came home that I just crashed. And I said, okay, we're going to have to change the way we're eating here.
9: Oh, yeah.
6: Right? And I, you know... Saw that I needed a very high protein meal before I went into that chamber. Oh. I brought some snacks with me. All right, so I have some dried meat and some nuts and some um, fig and chia seed balls, you know, things like that. Again, you well, know, where... the, some fruit oh. sweet for afterwards oh okay. so that i yeah. so that, that my energy is good for the drive home
9: yeah so you didn't you don't feel sleepy when you drive home you th- not now at home?
6: first I, the first couple of treatments i did until i saw that even if i was just laying in the tube my body was getting a workout and then i needed to treat it like a workout
9: oh i see i see well and i to provide
6: myself of- with the right kind of food beforehand, and to bring snacks with me to eat afterwards so that I would have and something immediately afterwards. And, and Since then, I've been able to come home. Today, I came home and walked three miles.
9: Oh, my gosh. Well, you needed to walk after like oh, I needed okay. to
6: walk after that, let me tell you.
9: <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, oh, All right, I let me check walk.
6: in with Sarah. Sarah, Ellen, Rose and I are just the going on and on because you said there yeah, was nobody else with their window. hand up. Has that changed?
5: Uh, we have two callers that have raised their hands and oh, pressed okay. one. Yeah.
6: All right. So we should probably say, "I love yes. you." Bye.
9: Well, well. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much, Susan. Bye bye. Bye bye. On to the next one.
5: All right. Uh, our next caller is calling in from the two one five area code. From the two one five, you're live with Susan. Hi, Susan.
8: This is Mary from Philadelphia. Um, hi, Mary. Hi. I am getting less shy about talking as time goes on. I've been calling probably for the last two and a half years or so, and we talked about the willow tree, and we talked about Uva Ursi. And so since you guys asked for callers, I decided to play again. I'm um, so glad,
6: but neither Sarah Ellen nor I is a guy.
8: <laughs> um,
6: In fact, I've been telling women for – over 25 years, that if they allow themselves to be called guys, or worse yet, if they call other women guys, that they will lose their rights. You know, uh, yeah. it's really sad that I'm right.
7: Mm-hmm.
6: Could we stop now, please?
8: Yeah. Yep. Thank you. Sure. Um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, right. uh. I, I right, you ask a-
6: for, you gals ask for?
8: Yes, yes. Thank you. Yes. Um, so I just took a little nature walk around a couple of blocks in my city, and there's an abundance of plants and trees, et cetera. And I just spoke with a neighbor who told me about uh, her white pine tree that her mother gave her. And so I just wanted to ask, can learn a little bit about white pine.
6: That's great. I don't know if you know that I'm going to be doing a tree workshop here soon.
8: Oh, no, I didn't know. <laughs>
6: We're going to spend the whole weekend out with the trees, and white pine is always one of the trees that I really like to focus on. I call it the Tree of the Great Mistake. Now, Hmm. the Great Peaceful Nations, the Iroquois, call it the Tree of the Great Peace. And they call it the Tree of the Great Peace because they buried their weapons under a beautiful, big, white pine. Wow. But you see, if you read the records of the colonists, you see that many of them died from lack of vitamin C in their winters here. And perhaps if the native people had not been so kindly as to suggest that they chew on white pine to get the vitamin C, we wouldn't be speaking English. But they did tell the settlers that they could chew on the white pine to help them get through the winter. As a matter of fact, if you looked like it, older herbal books, You have to kind of sometimes say, what on earth was going on until you realize that all the different kind of so-called diseases that they're actually dealing with are just manifestations of lack of vitamin C.
0: Hmm. Right?
6: What did you use to get in your stocking if you were a a good child, an orange? And that was your vitamin C for the winter.
1: Oh wow!
6: Right. Mm-hmm. N- no going to the store for fresh greens or any of that.
0: Chew on it. Yeah, you just chew on it. Wow. Chew, cool, huh? Yeah.
8: I'm gonna have to share the information.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the tree
6: of the great mistake.
8: Wow, that's really, really cool. And I just really am still, I, I told my story to this neighbor when she was telling me about her tree and I told her about the Uva Ursi and I was just astonished at how it worked. I, just, I couldn't believe it. I, you know, I'm just, I still consider myself so young in learning about all of this, and um, some of it is just so astonishing and fascinating.
6: Well, we are young, especially compared to the plants who are so old. And that's okay. It's okay for us to be young. They don't mind in the same way that we Mm -hmm. enjoy children. Mm
9: hmm
8: Okay, well, that was all. That was all I needed to know.
6: I'm so glad you
8: called. blessings. Good night. Thank you. Good night.
5: Okay, and we have one caller who has pressed one to let us know that they have a question, and the caller is calling from the 908 area code. From the 908, you are live with Susan.
4: Hi, Susan. Hi. Oh, what a blessing to connect on this evening. I have three questions. All right. First is I have now I I'm going to say maybe it was six months ago a caller called in about something similar and I don't remember what you said, but this is in regards to a tincture I'm making. I'm making a mugwort tincture in A D proof. And I have let the top oxidize, so it is no longer that beautiful emerald green, and it is just black. Is it, is it salvageable? Um,
6: the black means that it is oxidized. Right. There's a lot that's not as it should be. The blackness is part of it, um, and it makes me think that the plant material wasn't well chopped up.
4: Oh, that's for sure. It was definitely not. Okay, yeah.
6: And it really has to be well chopped up in order to make a good tincture.
4: Okay. And that you're using 80 proof. Just not good enough. Right, gotta be the hunt. Yeah, I used the old tea. Oh, you so. know,
6: if it had been chopped up well and it was in hundred proof and there was a little discoloration across the top, I'd say just, you know, take the top off. But there's just so much that is sad about this.
4: <laughs>
6: and it's a tincture of what?
4: Uh, this is a mugwort tincture.
6: Well, uh, right. Is this like a rare plant? Right. Right? No, this is a very abundant plant.
4: Right, right.
6: So I would say, you know, bless it and put it in your compost pile. Get some 100 vodka. Chop it up. I came in one afternoon. One of the apprentices had made some Kronwort. She hates being called mugwort. She said, it has nothing to do with the drunken fantasies of people who have their noses in mugs. Uh, she, and this apprentice had made three jars of Kronwort vinegar. And she hadn't chopped it up, and I said, oh, "Okay, what we're going to do is you're going to pour all the vinegar out into a different vessel, and then you'll take the, you know, kind of wet, cornwort, and chop it up, and put it back in your jars, vinegar you back over it. Well, lo and behold, when she got it chopped up, it all fit in one jar.
4: Okay,
6: the chopping, of course." Exposes surface area to the instrument since a tincture is being made by a process of osmosis in which it needs to have as much surface area as possible exposed.
4: Right. Right? Yeah. The whole thing, like you said, the whole thing is sad. And it's going to. I can start that with that. sad. No, it's yeah, it's bad. Bad, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so yes. I'm going to start over. So donate it
6: to the earth, to the compost, and start again. Yeah. Now, let's add one more thing. Did you have something in mind for this tincture? Did you have a That's plan fine. for it? Were you going to use it in a certain way?
4: Oh no! Just at night, as a, as a nice aid in some sort. Okay, you know, wait until
6: it's flowering. It's the wrong
4: time. Mm. Okay. Okay. Great. <laughs> right.
6: <laughs> so, other than having the plant not chopped up, the wrong menstrum, letting it <laughs> oxidize. You're handling it at the wrong time. Other than that, you got it all right. Well, yes. (laughs) And you wouldn't have hurt yourself or anybody else with any of the things you did, so don't worry about it, okay?
4: Okay, great.
6: All righty. Thanks for calling.
4: Oh, Susan, can I ask you two more questions? Certainly,
6: you can. I didn't realize you had another question.
4: The other night, I did a linden herbal infusion, and. Mm -hmm. I am very interested as to why the linden was so, I guess, gelatinous is uh, the best way to put it. When I strained it, it was very thick.
6: You bought linden cut and sift from Mountain Rose.
4: Is that it? Because I bought it from, I found a local proprietor and I,
7: so I I did
4: not
6: have no idea. It does that when it's Put. That's why I use it whole. Okay, that makes yeah, that would be it. And we get some of that gelatinous stuff, that mucilage, as herbalists call it, when we make the second brew. And it's only, it's kind of like um, bone broth. It's not the same gelatin at all. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that the, the it functions a little like bone broth, which when you when it's chilled is like solid, right? But when you heat it, it's liquid. And the same thing with that, with the mucilage in plants, it gets very liquefied when you heat it. Okay. So have that linden hot with a little bit of honey, and you won't notice that it's like half that jello.
4: Yeah, it's not even entirely unpleasant. It's just very interesting.
6: Yeah. And there's certainly nothing wrong with it.
4: Now, finally, I am going to make a clover infusion, and right now, I'm in New Jersey, so it's very similar to up in Woodstock as far as the the training. So right now, I'm seeing lots of the white clover, and I'm wondering what you think about the white clover as opposed to the red.
6: Several things. First of all, compare the size your general red clover blossom is two to four times as big as a white clover blossom. Red clover has a rather unusual trait for a wildflower in that it doesn't bloom sequentially but all at once. Many plants that have many flowers, the flowers bloom sequentially. In other words, say there's ten flowers, day one, two of them open, day two, the next two open, day three, the next two open, right? Boop, 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 boop. This helps to get them better pollinated and to give everybody a better chance. The white clover does that, and so it's almost impossible to find a white clover blossom, which is either oh. Uh, open and not half closed or all open and not half brown and spent. Mm -hmm. Then, notice the height from your shoulder to where you must put your hand to pick the plant. Imagine, if you will, the red clover which can grow knee-high, and the white clover, which rarely gets above ankle-high. And imagine how much you have to bend over to pick the white clover. (laughs) Mm. And you will see why the red clover, which is a European introduction, edged out the white clover on the list of ten best herbs among many Native nations.
4: Do you like working with white clover in general, do, or do you at all? No, you don't. Okay,
6: I put it in, in salads.
4: Yeah.
6: but no, I do. I would not. Um, I would not take the time to dry it because I'm not going to get any good dried white clover. As I said, I have a choice. I can pick blossoms that are half already brown and half open. I can click pick blossoms that are half open and half not open. Right. So it's not going to dry well. Right. And while you can get a red clover blossom that isn't completely open, it's hard. Mm. To remind you that infusions are made only with dry herb.
4: Yeah. Okay.
6: The red clover, and all clovers, when they're being dried, are very rich in protein, and so they rot very easily. So it's very important when drying red clover blossoms that they should not touch each other. In other words, they need to be laid out in a single layer, not touching on some flat basket or screen in a place where there's no direct sunlight and good air circulation to dry. Okay. One of my favorite places for drying red clover was at this monastery where I was staying, and they had benches that had um, slats, and the distance between Mm -hmm. them was just right for putting a fresh red clover blossom, and they weren't in use very much, so I could just line up my fresh red clover blossoms in these little, you know openings between the slats on the benches and when the regular was dry and I'd put put cloth in and even when it was dry it would be just the right size to fall through the flat oh I couldn't have done it better if I'd engineered it oh that's perfect and of course it was like a shaded portico where they were right oh my great Yes, good times with red clover. I also commissioned someone to do an ash split basket for me with the holes just the right size to hold both the fresh and the dried red clover blossom because I didn't want them falling through. And so I have a big round hoop basket that I can just uh, kind of use my hand to spread the red clover and it falls into the holes in the split ash basket that she carefully sized for red clover. The apprentices dry on a couple of round, again, hoop baskets from China that were gotten at one of the, you know, cheap import stores. Yeah. And they're, you know, they're tied up to the ceiling, so they hang from the ceiling. And so they have good air circulation, and they're tied in a place where the light from the window doesn't shine in, and they put their red clover on those flat baskets, making sure it doesn't touch each other. After it's dried for three or four days, then you can kind of whisk it to the side of your basket and put fresh ones, non-touching, on it's, on the remaining part. Right as they as they get a little dry, right at four or five days, they can touch. Then it then it becomes okay. Then they're not so likely to ferment.
4: Uh, ferment. Aha. Yes. Is it now? Would the same go for the the dead metals, or Are they not as sensitive to the touch?
6: Dead nettle is not a nettle. You know that, yes?
4: Well, I know that it's in the mint family.
6: It's in the mint family, Uh uh-huh. And you're drawing dead nettle for?
4: Well, I was planning on doing an herbal infusion.
6: We don't make infusions from plants in the mint family.
7: Oh, geez. Thank God I didn't move forward with that then <laughs>
6: It is a scentless mint And it probably wouldn't have hurt you But okay. most of the mints are scented And that's the one no-no for infusions We don't make infusions with any plant that has a strong scent
4: Yeah, well, they sure do have a strong scent And this is not a pleasant scent at that
6: uh, Yeah Yeah, it's, ca- it's called scentless But I agree with you I do not think it's scentless Motherwort is supposedly scentless, too, but... Yeah, that's... But, sure, okay, compared to rosemary and thyme and lavender and mint, they're scentless.
4: Right, but they certainly aren't without any signature. Exactly, but they're not without
6: scent. I mean, even nettle has a scent. Right, yeah. Yeah.
4: Great questions. Thank you so much, Susan.
6: You're so welcome. Thanks for calling. Cream blessings.
5: Good night. Good night. Okay. At this time, uh, we do not have any callers that have pressed 1. So I'd like to remind everyone listening, if you have a question for Susan, please press 1 so that we know that you would like to be brought on the line. Um, and let's see. No questions at this time. Um,
7: Can I ask you a question?
6: Yes. Did I tell you that I was interviewed by Lee Carroll?
7: Mm.
6: Who channels Chiron. And because it coincided with something else that I had to do, we pre-recorded the interview. And then... I got word that he had asked if I could come as the interview pre-recorded ended to be there in case there were questions so I did the appointment that I had allowed me to do that and I remembered what I was wearing so I was able to wear the same headband and the same shirt You know, so that if I was, uh, you know, on camera, on Zoom there, that it would at least look like, you know, we hadn't, like, jumbled the time uh, machine. But um, somehow I'm not sure. Like, maybe I didn't, you know, I was able to see everything and hear everything. But um, there wasn't, in fact, any time that I saw for questions that anybody was asking questions. So I think I had just gotten somehow some misinformation from somebody. No big deal. But what was interesting was that after the injury was aired, they said, no, just, you know, wait right here and we'll be right back. So at this point, I didn't know that th- that, that wasn't going to be the time for questions, so I waited, right? and then they came right back, and then they said, okay, we're going to do a circle of 12. I'm like, oh, what's that? And Monica, um, who works with Lee Carroll, uh, did some wonderful affirmations and calling in and just lovely lovely work and then Lee channeled Chiron and it was, it made me smile in a very special way because Chiron said listen to that woman she's speaking the truth
0: nice. <laughs> Wow
6: and you know, you, you never know where that affirmation is going to come ringing around the corner and run into you like a pie in the face where you're licking your lips and going, my favorite flavor. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
7: yeah,
0: is really she is fun. a
6: real shaman, Chiron said. So I, I said to the apprentice, I said, it's really good to be validated by somebody who doesn't have a body. <laughs> oh wow (sighs) oh wow oh wow so do we have email questions
5: or did you say you had a question I I have a question but I can hold that we have a call no no I'm
6: curious about your question
5: okay my question in our new home we have a well we have well water and um, I am familiar with what you have said about um, filtering water, purifying water, um, taking everything out of the water, killing the water. So we are not interested in doing that. However, um, we have water that has a large amount of ferrous iron, manganese, and sulfur. And I've done some research about um, a water system that can reduce those three components, but it does not provide any carbon-type filtration of the water. So it does not purify the water in any way other than just reducing those three contaminants. And I, or those three... That is a very nutrients. good
6: idea. Otherwise, it's really hard to take a shower in rotten eggs.
5: Okay. So, yes, I think one of your thoughts on that is... Um, I live in an, I an area...
6: My I have spring water, so it doesn't affect me, but I live in an area where there is a lot of sulfur water, and it's you know and some people just live with it but it's like Ugh. Mm. right and yeah. one of my water sources um here it is um in a iron vein and the water when you turn the tap on the water runs red and it stains all of the porcelain fixtures. It stains the stainless, ha-ha, steel.
5: <laughs> Arcing. So, Arcing.
6: Uh, you know, we actually literally have to change out the toilet bowl every couple of years because it just, like, looks so bad wow. from the iron. And I urge the the women to get water from the spring here, this is good spring water. Um, yeah. But some of them just let it precipitate out because iron is heavy and it will precipitate out. And so they just fill up a jug with it, put it in the refrigerator, let it precipitate out, and then use the water, which is now free of the iron for cooking. I
4: think. Mm-hmm.
6: But that's the simple way to do that, doesn't get rid of the sulfur. Right. Right.
5: Okay. Well, thank you very much. I feel much better about that moving forward, and I was excited to find a system that only focuses on the I am excited that
6: you were able to do that, too, yeah, and you don't need huge amounts of manganese.
5: Right, exactly, exactly, and the system uses oxygen to remove everything, so don't have to add any types of chemicals. Okay, great.
6: When we had a lot of people coming through the Wise Women Center, when we had big workshops, we are talking like, Twenty to thirty-five people every weekend. I had a ultraviolet filter system on the water
7: yeah.
6: because I didn't know who was going to be here and what their state of health was going to be, and I didn't want to take any risks with people's health. If we got somebody with an organ transplant, you know, or really immune compromised, you know, healthy people can deal with a little. Of this and that in the spring water, but somebody who's immune compromised or taking drugs to compromise their immune system can't. So that's another good option on your water system, in that the ultraviolet only kills, your basic pathogens. Again, it's
4: not
6: it's not purifying the water.
5: Okay, excellent. Thank you. Thanks very much. And
6: actually, the system is still on there. We just haven't changed the ultraviolet filter in a while, so I'm—I don't think of it as actually working. Got it. Yeah.
5: Wonderful. All right. Thank it looks you. like we
6: have time for some more people to raise their hand or for an email question. And at yeah. nine o'clock, we'll be talking to Kat Pantaleo.
5: Right, and we do have two callers that have raised their hands with questions. Uh, so our next caller is coming in from the 415 area code, from the 415. You are live with Susan. Hi, Susan.
6: Hi.
5: Um,
2: so I have a question. I fell off of my Herbal Fusion horse. Um, I used to take linden, metal, comfrey leaf, and... I haven't taken it, I have not taken it for, I think, about a year. So
6: and let me I, ask you this. Uh-huh. Would you take green beans?
2: Would I take green beans?
6: Yeah. Would you take carrots?
2: Yeah, I would eat them, of course.
6: I didn't ask you if you would eat them. I asked you if you would take them.
2: If I would take them?
6: It's weird to, to say it that that way, isn't it?
2: Yes, yeah, I don't
6: I'm not sure That's just as weird What's to it? say you're taking infusions. You're not taking them, you're drinking them. The food.
7: Oh, okay.
6: <laughs> you don't take carrots.
7: Okay, you, thank you. you don't
6: take infusions, you drink them.
2: Right, okay, sorry. Okay,
6: they're not pills.
2: Okay. The food. I stopped drinking them. Um, okay. <laughs> um, so I stopped drinking for about a year now and I wanna get back on it, but I've also
6: I, um, I've it's not getting that. on it because you didn't take it in the first place.
2: Okay, okay. okay wait, wait, wait.
6: If you didn't eat carrots for a year, would, they, would there be a problem if you then ate a carrot?
4: <laughs> no.
2: Okay. Would you uh, have to I do want
4: something special to get ready for eating that carrot? <laughs> no, honestly,
2: no. No, um, of course not. Um, okay. I want to start drinking them again. And um, so this is where my question uh, comes get in. Get started
6: as soon as possible, tonight if possible.
2: Um, so I've, I've noticed that it seems that my circulatory system isn't doing as well, and I notice it because my veins are bulging out even when I'm at rest, and that's something new. And um, I have to... That doesn't not-
6: necessarily mean that your circulatory system is having a problem.
2: Okay. That's good um that, also not- is,
6: that is due more to thinning of the skin
2: uh-huh okay than
6: it is to any circulatory problem
2: okay i will, i've also well this is uh another thing that
6: in other words um, you could have that- a baby with heart failure and you wouldn't see bulging veins okay and you could have an elder with enormous veins especially in their hands right a so perfectly fine cardiovascular system.
2: Okay. Um, but I've also had these two bruises in my shoulder that haven't gone away in two months.
6: That is odd?
2: Yes, and it's
6: it's odd for the shoulder to bruise. Tell me a little more about what part of the shoulder.
2: Um by like the part upper part of the part shoulder of the-
6: that's in toward the collarbone and that's kind of up on top there. And then there's well, the part of the shoulder that's kind of round, that sexy part of the shoulder. Okay. in the cold it's- shoulder dresses that's just being shown, right? And then there's the part of the shoulder which is on your back where the actual shoulder bone is, the scapula, right?
2: Okay, yes. So it's the very top of the shoulder, let's say, where your bra strap would go a little Like towards the outside of the shoulder, like right outside the bra strap area. Uh huh. uh -huh. Um, I have bruises there from when I gave myself a deep tissue massage. It never went away, and so I'm wondering when I start drinking these herbal infusions again, if if you have one that I can incorporate in there that could possibly help with that.
6: You're already Um, drinking it. If you're drinking the five. That you said you were Comfrey Leaf would be fabulous for that.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um that's it? It's comfrey, just do that and that's fine. I'm sorry? So just continue with those um infusions? Continue
6: with those five. Yeah, you got it.
2: Oh. Okay. It's that well, easy. <laughs> oh I have. Well thank you, Susan.
6: Thank you. Thank you, Carl. Good blessings. Good night.
5: Bye. Okay. Uh, we have one caller that has pressed one with their question and the caller is calling in from the nine seven three area code. From the nine seven three, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan.
7: This is uh, I'm calling from New Jersey, not too far from you. Hi. And I'm basically a beginning herbalist. So even though I'm in my crone years, I am uh, just starting out or restarting, I said, I should say. I started about 25 years ago and just getting back into it as my children are now older. So I should have probably stayed for it. That's good. How smart I'd be if it was 25 years. <laughs> here, I, have a I applaud you. Yeah, I have questions for you. Um, first, I have nobody around me that um, can actually have any similar interest than me. And I have been reading your books, but I'm trying to find myself son's strange nettle. And um, I think, how can I tell a nettle? I think I have white snake root instead. Do they look some similar, or is that just? They a do look similar,
6: online? except that okay. except when they're flowering, and then they look really different. But right. you know, the the jokester says, "Stinging nettle. The way to find it is take
7: your clothes off." <laughs> That would definitely tell you the difference, right? (laughs) And you'll immediately
6: know which one is the stinging nettle. It's not called that for nothing.
7: So just by touching it, I should be able to tell the difference if it stings me or not. If it stings you, it's stinging nettle, and white snake snake
6: root doesn't sting. It killed Abraham Lincoln's mother, but it doesn't sting. Okay. Okay? That's
7: great. And And interestingly enough,
6: it's related to bone set.
7: Ah, I did not know that. Um. I just have another question. Um, When I've been listening to your shows, and I've heard about comfrey, plantain, and yarrow, they seem to have similar qualities, but when would I use which one?
6: Well, it's not the kind of question that I could give you a definitive answer for. Right. um, Because...
7: Let's say I have a drug. Not toxin, drugs. That's actually what it's I kind using. of like
6: if you said, okay, Susan, I go to the drugstore and there's an aspirin and there's acetaminophen and there's ibuprofen and there's a, an, an <laughs> naproxen. Which one okay. do I use for what? Okay. And you would say, well, you know, it's going to depend on you. And some people find that aspirin, like, works better for arthritis pain, but ibuprofen works better for headache pain. But then other people like, you know,
7: it's individual. Yeah, I do understand that.
6: And it's hey, if I was stung uh, while I was teaching um, last weekend, and uh-huh. I was on the deck, and there wasn't any plantain right there, but there was chickweed there, so I grabbed some chickweed and chewed it and put it on my wasp sting. That's
7: that's why I was very. Why focused. did I use chickweed? Because
6: it was there.
7: Right. Right, mhm.
6: When I fell in Costa Rica and hurt my wrist, I later found out I broke it, at that point we didn't know that I had broken it. Um, mm-hmm. I was very happy that there was lots of comfort there for me, and of course, there it was not zero growing there. And although I have seen plantain growing in Costa Rica, there wasn't much at the place we were. But we had brought dried comfrey with us. So comfrey the very herb I would have chosen to use, and we had it with us. So that was an easy choice. But a couple of years before that, when I was in Costa Rica and I fell, I was walking down a flight of stairs with solar lights and it came, there was a, like a long flat place, and I thought the stairs were an end. Wrong Ola. The stairs suddenly continued, and I was flying through the air and landed with a kerplash. I was laying there on the ground, bleeding, and... I reached out in the dark with my hands and said, somebody help me. And I could feel one of the plants under my hands vibrating. And I picked that plant and I crushed it up between my hands and I put it on the places that were bleeding. And it wasn't and it wasn't plantain, it wasn't gyro. And I have no idea what it was. But it certainly made the pain go away, made the bleeding stop. Because there's green blessings everywhere.
7: Yeah, listening to the plants, I'm seeming to have a block against that and trying. Um,
6: I understand. Questions. I will also <laughs> tell you that every teacher I've had has told me that trying is lying.
7: So don't try, just do.
6: Don't try, just do. Even if you do it poorly, even if you do it erratically, even if it's not up to your own standards,
7: just do it. It's okay.
6: We don't take baby it looks steps. Like you first. tell
7: me people I'm an herbalist now, even though I'm just still learning. Yes, I am.
6: Of course you are people say what are you an herbalist they say can you recognize dandelion they say yes I said good you're an herbalist
7: <laughs> and my friend was making fun of me because I was at a baseball game and there was chickweed next to me and I was eating it <laughs> yes good for you I was like, I, I've been crazy since I was a child <laughs> <laughs> that's great <laughs> um, somebody else is working I do have a couple of other questions waiting I do have a couple of other questions
6: how are we doing, Sarah Ellen? How many people are waiting?
7: You have one caller waiting.
6: Okay, so let's have another one of one or two of your questions.
7: Okay, a uh, quick one. If I don't have an hour to cook my veggies because I'm, I work full-time and then my son plays baseball, so I'm in and out of the house, like I have to eat within an hour, does it matter if I just maybe cook them for a half hour? Or I know it's supposed to be an hour, but is it better than just eating them raw?
6: I know you said not to
7: pressure cook them. I remember that.
6: Not fresh, but frozen, if but, you don't have the time to cook them. Because, and, first of all, the frozen ahead. ones are already somewhat pre-cooked, right? Yeah,
7: yes, so, yeah, that's
6: true. Right, so you, so you don't have to cook them for as long half an hour will usually do for most frozen vegetables. But you know, when I worked full-time and my daughter was in school, we simply took one day out of a week to prepare our food for the entire week. We cooked a pot of rice, we cooked a pot of beans, we baked potatoes, cooked some vegetables, some root vegetables like carrots and beets and leafy green vegetables like kale, and collards and mustard greens and just gave ourselves a lot of different choices so that when we came home, if we were too tired, we could eat out of the refrigerator, literally sitting on stools in front of the refrigerator, eating out of the refrigerator, you know?
7: I don't know if my sons would be like them. I have about three sons. That's about, that's about as easy as it gets, right? And if we, had a little mess,
6: we could make, you know, like tacos with the beans and put Cheese on it, and you know have a festive night, or you know chop up some mushrooms and have refried rice, or you know okay. of course, we also made soup, so there was always soup available to us, and we just spent this, Sunday was our cooking day, and then we didn't really have to cook for the rest of the week.
7: I like that idea. just cook one day a week and then just eat from the refrigerator exactly Very oh cool. you know, or make a
6: fancy dinner, not saying you always have to eat refrigerator, but I'm saying that it,
7: No, I understand that This is, this, one, this is this, one of my
6: cook's rules and the, You know, the male chefs laugh at me but I say, girls will always eat cold food People think you've got the world, you know, covered with cold pizza We won't eat cold pizza, but we will eat any other food cold
7: I'm the only one who eats the leftovers in my house. I understand, and I have uh, three sons. Right, so that's very true. <laughs> they I'm want the their only food hot. are like, after. okay, spoon it in. <laughs> <laughs> and one last question. Yes, um, I do do the five inf- infusions that we mentioned: linden plant, and uh, sorry, looking at plantain, linden, uh, nettle, comfrey, uh, red clover, and. I forget what this this one is, but there's five Oat straw? Um, oat straw, yes. I don't actually follow any routine. I just, whatever I feel like making at night, is that okay? I or should I be what doing? exactly I do, too. Yeah, because, like, today I think I'm feeling like oat straw. So, and then yesterday I felt like comfrey, so I think that's what I'm going to do. But I don't no, actually exactly. follow a pa- pattern. Yeah. Yeah. I, let, yeah, yeah, I, I mean, like, yeah, like one of my favorites. Just myself and my
6: sweetheart? We usually make a gallon at a time, so we drink one herb for two days.
7: Right. I usually make a quart at night and then uh, strain it in, in the morning and take it to work with me.
6: That is beautiful. What a perfect way to do it. As my one of my teachers yeah. would say, "That's the school solution."
7: <laughs> <laughs> and then I had my three teachers. I also make. Exactly
6: right. That's the school solution. Uh, thank you so
7: much for talking to me, Susan. I really appreciate it. Green blessings. Thank you
6: so much for your wonderful questions. Green blessings. Good night. Yeah, and
7: enjoy this really wonderful weather right we're having right now. Yes, I am. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye bye.
5: Okay. And we have a final caller that has pressed one and they are calling from the nine zero eight area code. From the nine zero eight, you are live with Susan.
0: Hi, Susan. It's- Hi. Hi from New Jersey. Great. It's Kara, great yes. to hear your voice. Yeah.
7: Yeah. yeah. Great. So- I thought it was you. go.
0: <laughs> yes. oh, what's what's up? Like what do you, do you have to share with
6: us, us tonight? Um.
0: Um. um pantry moss. Uh, do you have any? I. I. I cleaned the. 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 I have everything in jars, and I cleaned it. The cupboard. Uh. The. the it's a big pantry, like, and I cleaned it out. And I put peppermint balls in there on, along the edges of the cupboard, and I put um, bay leaves in the in the jars, and I still have some coming out. Oh. Moths. Yeah, the pe- the pantry, the meal moths. The meal
6: moths, Yes.
0: Yeah.
6: Um, yeah. What I like to use is sticky traps.
0: Yeah, I I, I use them, but I want it to stop. Well, I mean, I don't I know where the, they are. The
6: eggs of those are in most organic whole grains.
0: Oh, boy. So Let me
6: tell you how many hours Marie and I have spread grains on cookie sheets and baked them in the oven to kill those eggs. Oh,
0: boy. Oh, goodness. So
6: if you really want it to totally stop, then every oh. bit of organic grain in your house has to be mm. heated. You don't have to crank the oven up to, you know, a huge heat. But you got
7: to get the
6: oven. We used a temperature around 300 degrees. Okay. Make sure that the grain was hot to the touch before we took it out of the oven. Mm. We let okay. it cool before we put it back in the mm. jars. Okay. And, of course, meanwhile, we had washed the jars so there were no further eggs and other debris in the jars.
0: Yes i hear I hear you
6: right so maybe a, when you as a child um there weren't a lot of chemicals used, and whenever my mother would cook rice, it was my job to stand there with a spoon with perforations in it. It wasn't even slotted, it had tiny little perforations because what I was doing was I was scooping out the rice weevils, which were in the rice, oh. And as it would boil, the rice weevils would boil up to the top, and I would scoop them out. It's my job to make sure all the rice weevils were taken out of the rice. And then we'd go to the yeah. farmer's market, and we'd get corn. And my brother and sister and I would like to vibe for who got the corn worms, because virtually oh. all of the corn had corn worms in it. Oh. And they would eat just a little bit of the top, and then we would, like, get to break off that little bit of the top and put our cornworms in a jar and keep our cornworms, were favorite summer pets. (laughs)
0: You know, so
6: I grew up with the idea that food and insects went together and that, that there wasn't anything wrong with sharing your food with the insects, although you didn't necessarily want to eat the insects. And you know, when but I was feeding Justine as a child from the garden and she would go, Oh, oh, there's a there's a there's a worm in my broccoli and I would say, Well, you don't have to eat it, but after all it's only broccoli in a different form, you know, it's only eating broccoli in its yeah. life. Right. And oh. then of course there came the day when I said, Oh, there's worm shit in my broccoli and she said, It's just broccoli in another form <laughs>
0: Oh, that's great.
6: So I'm going to say goodbye to you so that we can say okay. hello to Kat. I'm so glad you called, Carol.
0: I'm so glad I called, too. And thank you so much and bless you. Bless you. I love
6: you. I love oh, you, too. So
0: oh, thank you, Susan. Everything wisdom.
6: Bye-bye, Hedy. Kat. Pantaleo is a holistic health practitioner. She has over 20 years of professional experience as a consultant, instructor, and nature guide. She believes, one of her core beliefs, in fact, is that health is a journey and the goal is not perfection, but a life infused with meaning, purpose through self-exploration and growth, connection, and joy. Kat Pantaleo has trained as an herbalist, a naturalist, a nutritionist, a nature-enforced therapy guide, and a Youth Nature Connection mentor. She also practices nonviolent communication, and she most recently received her master's degree in eco from Naropa. Cad Bantaleo skillfully weaves all of these aspects into her work, creating opportunities to cultivate resilience, restoration, deep nourishment, and reconnection to one's authentic, wild self.
7: Her work is
6: ultimately informed by nature beings and guided by an impassioned desire to restore respect and reciprocity between humans and the natural world to reawaken our innate human capacity for caring and cooperation, and to reestablish earth-honoring ways of being so that all life may flourish. Well, I don't know if I've ever read an introduction that's a prayer, but this one certainly is. Welcome, Kat.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Susan. It's a pleasure and honor to be here.
6: I'm so, so happy that we have the privilege to get to hear you tonight.
1: Oh, you know, thank you.
6: You, ha- you do so many things, but I'm pretty sure that the one word that everybody went, ah, was eco-psychology. So why don't we start there? Tell us what it is to have a master's degree in eco-psychology and what on earth is eco-psychology.
1: Yes, well, thank you for that question because I get that as well. And it is, in essence, a unification of two disciplines, psychology, which is the study of the human psyche or the mind, and ecology, which is the study of relationships between organisms to one another and their environment. And one of ecopsychology's foundational assumptions is that true healing and a sustainable way of life can occur when humans remember and reawaken to the ancient truth of our interconnectedness with all of life. And that essentially what we do to the earth, we do to our others, to ourselves. And for in my world, you know, in my work as an eco-psychologist, my If there is a goal, um, it is to really kind of reveal the underlying beliefs and assumptions that keep humans on a course of destroying the earth that essentially sustains us. And then, more importantly, to develop and implement effective strategies that can change our course from one of destruction to one of true sustainably rooted in in caring and cooperation. So really at the root of eco-psychology is relationship, recognizing that we're part of a larger whole and that everything we do and say ripples out and affects the web in which we are interwoven and depend upon.
6: We are truly now global humans. Yeah, this is something we have never had before. It was astonishing mm-hmm. to me at first when I spent time with indigenous people to see how really, truly limited the worldview was. <laughs> yes. You know, having just kind of assumed my global citizenship um, uh, all along, it, it was stunning to me to see, oh, whoa, you know, these people that I think of as so you know, more advanced than I am in certain ways, um, don't, don't have that privilege that I have of getting you, which me to make different decisions. And it, I saw immediately that my ecological decisions were based on a certain psychology that had been fostered in me and that they didn't even share that psychology.
1: Yes, that is correct. I mean, that's kind of what I refer to as, you know, you've heard the word paradigm, you know, which is kind of a buzzword these days. And, you know, essentially what the paradigm is, is a, you know, it's a culturally born story or narrative that is largely unconscious, that we are literally born into, that informs all of our behaviors, it informs our language, it informs our policies our laws, our governments, pretty much everything. And absolutely. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes indeed. So
6: you, when you are doing eco-psychology, are you giving therapy to the earth? Are you You suggesting that mm therapy clients be more ecological? How does this rubber meet the road here?
1: Right. That's a great question. Thank you. So, you know, I was an herbalist way before I started in the master's program. I mean, I've been studying herbalism and plant relations and sharing that knowledge um, for 21 years. And the beautiful thing that has kind of shifted for me with my work in eco-psychology is more of a focus on the relationship between humans and plants and, you know, the other than human world as well. But um, you know, kind of shifting from uh, this plant for that, you know, like, oh, what is this plant good for kind of thing to let's get to know um, the plants and come back into relationship with them because the human plant relationship and, you know, human land relationship, trees, rocks, all of it, even the stars, um, is goes way, way back from, you know, to the beginning. And we co-evolved with all of these beings and they have shaped who we are and how we have evolved and have actually contributed immensely to our ability to adapt to, you know, unfortunately, an increasingly toxic world um, on so many levels. So, um, so really my focus is on, you know, a big, big part of it is slowing down. That is probably the first thing that (laughs) um, really, because we, you know, we don't, we can't really pay attention. I mean, we are such a fast paced culture that is focused on doing and producing and progress that we so rarely slow down and really um, notice the world around us. So slowing down is, is a big, big part, even if I, you know, I still lead kind of what I would call traditional plant walks and introduce people to you know here's beautiful yarrow and you know let's smell it and let's get out our hand lens and take a look at it and um, you know let's come into relationship with it so I still definitely do that but the first thing is slowing down and reawakening our animal senses because it our senses are our most animalistic quality and it is really truly the best way of knowing our world and responding in kind to what is is happening and so those are kind of two things that I really really emphasize um, in my work now the slowing down piece and the reawakening the senses and honestly nature just does the rest I mean it once you can slow down and awaken your senses, you, you know, people are astonished and tap back into their childlike curiosity and see the magical, marvelous world that we actually live in, that we hardly ever pay attention to in our daily lives.
6: Yes, I tell people, if you will give nature an hour of undivided attention, she will prove to you that you are her favorite child.
1: Yes, that's beautiful. I love that. And, you know, and that kind of, you know, one of the things that I think is so desperately missing from our culture and has been for for millennia is this sense of belonging, this sense of, you know, being a part of a larger web And, you know, that favorite child, that beloved child, that you are important and you matter and you are here with great purpose and great gifts. Um, And nature really, you know, to spend time in it really helps us reconnect with that truth. And, you know, if spent enough time, um, you know, in an open and even potentially guided situation and experience, you can, you know, people can often reconnect with what their innate gifts are.
4: So
6: you are building the kind of health that the wise woman tradition envisions because it's a nested health we understand that we can't just say, let's make this one person healthy because they have mm-hmm. to be part of a healthy social group, the family, the community. And that family and community has to be supported by a healthy ecology, healthy food Absolutely. and healthy water and healthy air so mm-hmm. that ultimately to have even one single healthy person, we have to have a very healthy planet.
1: That is correct. I mean, you can't have, sick people or healthy people on a sick planet. I mean, it just doesn't work that way. And, you know, it's pretty evident, you know, if you look at the, the state of our world today on, you know, from physical to spiritual, emotional, mental, it's, it's not healthy. And it's, you know, happening um, at the same time and the same rate that, the world, the ecosystems are deteriorating, our air is getting more polluted our um soil, our water i mean everything is you know it's it's kind of you know i don't like to spend a lot of time mm. well, and, now the and air focus.
6: quality is far better now than it was a hundred years ago
1: oh is i'm sorry is what
6: the air quality is far better now than it was a hundred years ago. There are more trees now than there were 20 years ago. So because I, of
3: people I, planting
6: I, them? I, I think that there's some real difficulties, but I think we're also really making headway in a lot yes. of places. There's places where we're certainly losing ground. Plastic is gaining on us. Yes. Um, what, what would you suggest as one or two action points or remedies that somebody listening can take? because it can feel kind of overwhelming and it can feel like ah, you know well everything is just too much too bad and mm-hmm. so i just can't do anything but i think that that each individual can do something and i think you do too
1: absolutely and you know i think one important thing to remember is that every little act there's no act that is too small and we must act and even if it is to plant your own garden. I mean, that act in and of itself, everything ripples out and has a positive effect on the greater ecosystem. So it's really important. I mean, I understand the overwhelm. It is overwhelming. And, you know, if we dwell too much on the statistics and, you know, the the ecological collapse, as some people like to call it, it, it can be paralyzing. And so one of the um, one thing that I would recommend and that has been really helpful for me that I was introduced to um, in my master's program was something called The Work That Reconnects. And I don't know if you've heard of Joanna Macy. She I is a Buddhist scholar. I love yeah. Joanna Macy. Yes yeah so she has many books out. Um, the Active Hope is a really great one. Her most recent world uh, book is uh, "World as Lover, World as Self." And she really brings it down to a level of yes, this is overwhelming, and here are some basic strategies that anyone can do to help turn towards the overwhelm, the pain of it all, and be motivated into action. So in the work that reconnects, it's actually quite simple. It consists of gratitude, grief. So those gratitude and grief kind of um, work off of each other to actually foster this capacity to see with new eyes from a different perspective, which then energizes us into action. So it's a community-based practice, and there are workshops available. You know, as I mentioned uh, a moment ago, there are books. So, you know, get together with some friends and, and practice, even on your own. I mean, keeping a gratitude journal is really an amazing practice that you can do every single day that just that doesn't take more than five minutes a day and can really help start shifting one's consciousness and perspective and kind of reinvigorate um, and inspire just even small little actions that feel good that work towards serving life and contributing to the overall health and rebuilding of the health of ourselves and our planet. So that's definitely, and of course, you know, as a nature guide and forest therapy guide and what I like to call an eco-tuner, just sitting with your back against a tree is an amazing practice that can help ground Mm. and, Create stillness. It can help open your heart. Um, it can, you know, create this experience of um, breathing with the world. You know, when you think about the fact that the trees and the plants are the lungs of the planet and that literally creates the oxygen that helps us stay alive, it, it really – sitting with a tree – And with the plants, especially this time of year with the spring and everything bursting forth and everything's green and, you know, photosynthesizing and and life is is vibrant. Um, It can just be so incredibly energizing and revitalizing to just sit quietly for five to ten minutes outside in nature with your back against a tree. Just really bring you back into relationship with the living, breathing earth.
6: As I was walking to my car today, shoes in hand, barefoot across the grass, I said, it's the earth and the grass under my feet that make me healthy, and it's the sun Mm. shining on my face that makes me healthy, and it's the wind blowing on my back that makes me healthy, and it's the water. Because I live in the Catskills, so there's water everywhere from the Hudson River. Mm.
1: There's
6: over 100 springs on my land alone, and it's the water (laughs) that... that, um, that always nourishes me. And, mm. you know, for some people, even five minutes is too much. And what I say is, really, gratitude only takes a moment.
4: Mm-hmm.
6: You don't have to write it down. Just, here I am doing the very simple task of walking from my front door to the car, an mm. opportunity to be grateful.
1: Yes. It is true. We, we can infuse anything we're doing with just a moment of gratitude yes. and it replaces the worry it does it definitely does and it done on a regular basis it literally lifts the spirit and shifts our perspective towards what is working rather than what is not working I mean it's important to know both, but to actually focus on what's working and what you're grateful for truly is that helps remove some of those inhibitions or obstacles to, you know, what we were speaking to earlier, to, you know, taking action and moving forward and getting past the, the paralyzation that can sometimes take hold. That seems
6: to quite frequently. I want to also um, just say thanks to the National Wildlife Federation for setting a goal of having a million backyard habitats, and they're almost to their goal.
1: What? That's awesome. I didn't know. Yes. Wonderful. We're in National
6: Wildlife. Federation-certified habitat, really. But you can, you know, be one. You don't have to have a creature like I do. They're, you know, saying, let's restore this from the smallest places, not from the largest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what I like about that is that's very much a woman's way of doing it. Indeed. You do it, and you do it, and you do it, and you do it, and you do it. So... What I've seen of my desire to recreate herbal medicine as people's medicine by teaching people to teach people to teach people is it totally works. Absolutely.
1: Yes. And my experience is that people, it's really interesting because not only are people hungry for this information and for this reawakening of relationship with with our plant allies. I mean, hungry, like literally clamoring. I mean, that's been my experience. And there's, they, you know, even, you know, just learning about dandelion, which is something that, you know, everybody has in their vicinity. And it's about coming into a new relationship with it. And people are lit up and, and now look at, you know, after coming into relationship with it and seeing the beauty and the medicine there and this simple, humble being um, are just, they see it differently and they cherish it and then they take care of it. So it really is, you know, again, just coming back to relationship. And the other thing, the other really amazing part of that is the plants, And all the beings, really, but the plants in particular, they're such ancient allies of ours that they yearn for us to come back into relationship with them. They're so generous in their offerings, food, medicine, clothing, shelter, you name it. And they so often, more often than not, go, you know, kind of unnoticed and disregarded but when we do pay attention and we do turn towards them and you know we introduced one of our friends to them oh look here's you know you can eat these greens and they nourish you and they support your liver and you know it's it's uh the dandelion celebrates i mean it's a mutual celebration and and reconnection of kindred spirits really that are in this together I mean we're all in this together and really the natural world it's very simple we, we really don't need a lot um, contrary to what our cultural narrative tells us <laughs> we really don't need a lot to live full healthy vibrant lives I mean like you were saying you know the grass the sunshine the water the air I mean it's It's all very simple, and I find that I've become somewhat of a minimalist in the last, you know, 10 years or so, and I find that the less I have, the less I have to lose, and the happier I am. I'd just rather, you know, be in relationship with all these beautiful beings and and share that, and um, great joy just flows forth from that.
6: What you're saying reminds me of Peace Pilgrim. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah? Like the woman who yeah. had nothing, who walked for peace, and one of my great uh, folk heroes. Well, Kat, we are coming toward the end of our time together, and I want to make sure that people know how to get in touch with you.
1: Oh, thank you so much. Yes. Um, so I have a website, which is my name, Kat Pantaleo Dot com, uh, C-A-T-P-A-N-T-A-L-E-O, and it has my offerings, my classes. Of course, summer is a very busy time of year, um, and I also offer a monthly digest that has musings and, you know, kind of a theme every month and, you know, deep, deep diving into eco psychological subjects, deep listening, grief, all kinds of things. So people can sign up for that and be for my email list and be kept abreast of the upcoming offerings. I do offer zoom classes as well. So, um, yeah, that's probably the best way to get in touch with me. And there's a way to contact me, email me from that website. And, uh, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure um, talking to you, Susan. Oh, yeah.
6: It's just, uh... and, and are you doing weed walks? Are you doing them oh, yeah. currently? I know it's one of the things that people most want. Like you were talking about the clamoring, um,
4: mm-hmm.
6: that it's the place where people absolutely get both, you know, thinking about it and intuitively, that it is best to have someone point the plants out to you rather than to rely on a book or a video.
1: Absolutely yes, yeah. That's I make I lots of offer, videos and they're great, mm-hmm.
6: and I write yeah, lots of absolutely. lots of books and they're great. But really, yeah. the truth of the matter is, you need to go out with someone and have that someone point these things out to you, please. So are you, yeah. you are doing that?
1: I am definitely doing that, that's- and one of the things that I have really started focusing on in the past several years is. Um, teaching people how to um, identify patterns and thereby um, become familiar with plant families because it's a really important piece of identifying plants. And, of course, you want to know something 110% before you would har- you know, put anything in your mouth <laughs> or make medicine and give to anybody else. So yeah, it's I really I really want to, I mean these are just ancient, you know, ways of knowing and um kind of our birthright to to know and be able to recognize and and build relationship with plants. So I definitely do the plant walks and I'm doing a series, a couple of series this summer that focuses on the building of relationships, the identification, and making medicine in the field so using different menstruums vinegars oils honeys um, and then of course the earth honoring um, ethical wild harvesting techniques so just really want to you know ensure that we we are out there whether it's you know we're choosing harvesting greens for a salad or, you know, making medicine for the future, that it's done in an honorable way, in a respectful way.
6: Thank you so much for that. That is vital information to pass on and to know that it goes from you to those who will pass it on to others. And that there, the, as Joanna Macy puts it, there there is a shift there is a shift, and all it takes is that we shift
5: mm-hmm.
6: a little bit. So let's yes. uh, keep shifting. Herbal let's. medicine, as people's medicine, the medicine that's right there, right around mm-hmm. you. Have, nobody's saying it's going to take care of absolutely everything, but wow, it sure it takes care of so much and keeps us so healthy. Mm-hmm. And as we get to our last minute together, what do you, Cat, Pantaleo? want to leave in the hearts and the minds of everyone who's been listening to you tonight?
1: Mm. Well, I guess what I'd like to do is just reiterate how incredibly important it is to slow down and find some stillness in your life on a regular basis. So that you can reconnect with yourself, with this amazing, astonishing world that we are embedded in and here for a very short time. And that we can open to and remember that there are so many different ways of experiencing the world and knowing the world that when we come into relationship with it brings Joy that nothing else can, no material acquisitions, that wealth, nothing that our culture supports and proposes creates happiness and joy can replace. So get out there if you need to, you know, if you're inspired to learn more about plants and you know, what you can eat and and earth-honoring practices that can reciprocate the generosity of the plant world and find someone in your neighborhood, in your area that is leading walks. There's a lot of us out there, so green.
6: Let's get green. Thank you, Cat Pentaleo. and thank you, Sarah Ellen, for helping me to reweave the healing cloak of the ancients and to restore herbal medicine to its rightful place as people's medicine. There are green blessings everywhere. Love you. Good night.
1: Good night. Thank you. Good night, Susan. Love to you.